praying has its place and you working on yourself has its place. So when you put the two together, that becomes very powerful. Most people that I see that come and attend my workshops and classes, most of the time they are so filled up with blocked up emotions that they are constantly just triggered. We are trying to control circumstances. It, you cannot do that until you don't release your own emotional baggages. Because I think that's where we're suffering as an ummah altogether, is we've got so much energy, but it's not positive. It's anger, it's hatred, it's jealousy, it's, you know, it's just like constantly... My guest today in this particular episode is Brother Zuhair Girach. He is an Afia healing expert. He helps people become better versions of themselves by getting over their traumas, by increasing their kind of spiritual growth using certain modalities and techniques. He runs a, a series of spiritual retreats. He has online courses and things. There was obviously a lot to learn from him in terms of the work that he's doing with the Afia healing. And there was a lot for him to share in terms of his own personal journey about like how people go on a very expensive courses, kind of lifestyle coaching kind of courses or, you know, courses that kind of uh, are designed to help people get over their traumas and it costs them a lot of money and they don't get enough benefit from that. So he, he's been through a whole journey of that himself. So he had a lot to share there, talking about his journey, about how he came to do Afia healing and how he's helping people and conversations around that. So hope you enjoy that and uh, I'll see you all guys soon, inshallah. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Assalamu alaikum. My name is Zuhair Giraj. I am the founder of Afia Healing, a natural healing modality that deals with physical and emotional problems. And here, alhamdulillah, today to speak with Brother Khuram, First of all, thank you for coming. Alhamdulillah. Thank you for having me. Mashallah, it's been on the to-do cards for a while. Yeah, because now I that seen, Ramadan is out of the way, mashallah. I haven't seen you for uh, three years, you know. A lot has happened, hasn't it, in three years? Yeah. Yeah. So we we, we met in the first lockdown. So we met just, just after, after the first lockdown, after just after I moved from London to Nottingham. Mm. And then I think you were were you passing by or you came specifically? No, I just on? came to see you. Okay, and, uh, touch base. That's a, that's a big deal for me. Alhamdulillah, it was a big privilege. And then we went to the park, and then you did some mafia healing. Yeah, did some realignment. Yeah, yeah, and I felt really weird afterwards. <laughs> I was moving up and down. <laughs> yeah, alhamdulillah. Yeah, but no, it definitely helped. Yeah, shukr. Yeah, but yeah. I learned a lot about everything since then. Yes, alhamdulillah. Yeah. yeah, no, I see. Mashallah, you've been doing some uh, research and your own work on meridians and stuff like that so. yeah i have learned a lot about meridians now uh i've learned a lot about meridians and i've learned about what earthing does for the body and i've yeah, learned yeah. about how the organ systems are connected yeah, alhamdulillah. and i have an idea of how the emotions are working yeah you kind of set me off on that ah, but yeah, alhamdulillah. Yeah, yeah no that's good so it's always about planting seeds yeah, yeah and just um yeah and then alhamdulillah whichever way the tree grows or whatever happens yeah at least yeah alhamdulillah there's yeah. khair in it alhamdulillah. Yeah. okay so you were born in malawi how old were you when you left malawi uh 15 okay and then you went where yeah you came straight here yeah that's it and have, have you ever been in a full-time job or you've always done your own business so or? i studied accounts and management okay. at um aston uni and then i started working with unilever okay. um for about a year and a half then i went on to exxon mobil right uh, then on to npower but I think what really turned my focus was working for these corporate giants and them investing in our personal development, okay? And sending you off, like you're on this management training course, off you go, learn how to manage your time, learn how to manage your emotions, you know, and all this sort of stuff. And subhanAllah, through every training that we went through, I would go back to the um, instructor and the, you know, the trainers and say, you know what, Islam already gives us this. 
Islam already gives us this, and and some of them would really get ruffled by like, oh, no, but this is like groundbreaking stuff. Yeah. No, it's not. It's not. No, this it's is not. Back, back to basics. This is back to Sunnah. So in that, Subhanallah, I thought, Can why? Give me an example. Go, like, okay, so a lot of the stuff when it came to how to talk to people. Yeah. How to you know like managing uh, the environment within an office space. How do you talk to people? How do you sit in front of people? You know, these basic NLP things. And when you look at the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, he ﷺ would give his whole person to the being. Right? So he would face you completely and speak to you as if you were the most important person in the world. Yeah. yeah. Right? He wouldn't sort of like be this way and turn to you and go, yeah, what? None of that. Mm. Full attention. And full attention. Mm. And the way that they sat, the way they expressed, the way they opened themselves up, subhanAllah, this... It's in our books, and there's no, there was no condescension. There's no talking down to the person, even the child. It's like you know, do I, can I sit here? Can I have this glass of milk? It's being very, very yeah. aware of. Yeah, but incorporates the complete opposite of that. But, but that's that's what they are trying to bring back in. Okay, yeah. they're they're trying to make organizations more human now. When uh, when I got my, I think it was my second or third job. It was in IT. Right, I was doing IT support, which is incredibly stressful. Yeah. We had, we had a Muslim guy who yeah. who joined the place, right, and he he became my manager. And I remember one day, um, you know, the new manager joins, and then you know the manager has a one to one with the, with the, each person. Yeah. And for some reason, I was at the end. And actually, even before he came in, when he was that day, because this is this was at the height of you know. Uh, 9-11, Iraq yeah. war. So <laughs> the Muslims are terrorists. The whole uh, narrative was at its very peak. different. Yeah. Right, so when we found out he'd got the job, and he, I'd, I'd been away when he got the job. I, I was in Dubai. I'd been uh, away meeting a friend in Dubai. So I, I came back after uh, annual leave, and he walks in on the first day, and I'm, I've got this dialogue going on in my head: Should I give him salam or should I just say hello? Because I don't know which way this is gonna go. Uh, if I say salam, he might be like, "Oh, this guy's a fundamentalist. I'm gonna avoid him." Or, mm. I don't know how this is gonna go. I don't know. I just decided to give him salam. So I gave him salam. He said, "Waalaikum salam and um i don't know i think that kind of affected our relationship i think Straight i don't away. know yeah which is really odd but it did yeah and then um he called me in for a one to one about a week later and i just remember i walked into his office and he goes he just looks at me he goes shut the door you know like shut the door like like talk down to me mm. shut the door kind of like i'm the boss kind of yeah here. that just put me off immediately yeah you know it was that one little thing that's all it is that's all it takes yeah you know, just just talk to me nicely if you could, if you don't mind, could you shut the door, please. Yeah. You know, just being, and I, I just feel like that niceness is is, is disappearing even more. Yeah, absolutely, it's it's eroding away because it's not needed. Okay, yeah. and that's that's how we are evolving as a species, unfortunately. But this is what really led me to look back and say, look, why is it that if Islam already has the answers, that these people are selling these courses at tens of thousands of pounds per candidate? Okay, there was my whole team in there, like all the graduates, 20, 30 graduates at this conference there. And each trainer is being paid like 80,000. Really? Why? For what? Something so to basic. teach us what we know for free. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's where my journey really began of, yeah. um, of sort of pinpointing. Now, Alhamdulillah, all that time, I had the privilege of sitting with the ulama, with the mashayikh, you know, with, with, with teachers of tasawwuf. Um, and that's in the books already. You know, you pick up Imam Ghazali's books, you pick up Sheikh Abdul Jilani's books, you pick up any of those books, and everything is about character, your tarbiyah, your tazkiyah. Okay, how to become a better human being so that other people feel safe in your presence. Okay, 
And with that, and Western teachings, Eastern teachings, the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, we have a beautiful program. Mm-hmm. And so began my journey. Um, life coaching was important at that time, okay? Yeah. Mid uh, was a big 2000s, yeah? yeah. Um, so I decided to enroll on a life coaching course. I did that. And I thought, yo, this is like, duh. <laughs> with that came NLP. So I did NLP. I said, okay, yeah, this is making more sense. It looks a bit fun. Okay, now I'm intrigued. What's hypnotherapy? So I went into hypnotherapy with the sort of notion about, is this haram? Came back out, no, it's not. Why? Because it's when a person attends mafils of dhikr, mm. in which, you know, sometimes they say, close your eyes and, you know, reflect upon yeah. the name of Allah. Mm. This is a hypnotic trance. Yeah, yeah. Right? Because people just let go and they detach and they reconnect and the spirit is, you know, mashallah, really uplifted. So there's nothing wrong with hypnotherapy. Hypnosis, stage hypnosis, where you ridicule people, where you humiliate people, this is haram. But then that goes for anything. Anything that you use as what is a tool for something that is haram, then it's haram. So in this case, we are using it for therapy. We are accessing the subconscious mind where people's bad habits are stuck where they can't move beyond certain things. I can't forgive this person. This person did this to me. Uh, these people hate me. Okay, fine. Let's get over this. How do we do this? Consciously, I know I can't hold on to this. It's not serving me. But it's somewhere in my subconscious. So by closing my eyes, my subconscious wakes up. And we go into the subconscious and we give the suggestion, wouldn't it be better to let this go? Yeah. And, and suddenly you become all more, wow, okay, yeah, mm. this actually works. Mm. Now, by the same virtue, you see, you know, um, Bruce Lipton, I think, he talks about the moment just before you go to sleep. Your, mm. your brain is very much open to suggestion. Oh, right. Right? So play, uh, he will say, an affirmation or a mantra or some frequency, right? And that is going to sort of like embed and ingrain into your subconscious programming. What I used to do back in the day was, I used to have the Qur'an on, okay? I couldn't recite very well and very fluently, but the Qur'an always used to be on and I'd fall asleep with it. And subhanAllah, for me, one day it just clicked. One day it just like, "Mm, I can read. And literally that's what's happened. Power of suggestion. That's all it is, that once that Qur'an sort of like starts going in, you pick up the flow. Mm. It, you know, all the dots are joined and, and suddenly now you have something in front of you. And this now is becoming a really important method by which Hufaz are trained. Yeah. Right? So even with, with, uh, with uh, my daughter who's, who's uh, you know, uh, doing a hivd, she will listen to the Qur'an as she is falling asleep. Why? Because that sabak now becomes, um, you know, solidified in, in that, in that, in that part of the brain. So... All of this stuff that we've done, and this this is going back, you know, 2007, 8, 9, um, 10. So I just did course after course after course after course, only to realize we already have everything. Mm. And you know, the thing that I noticed about you is because, if you don't mind my saying, obviously, you know, you, you have the you have the fundamental Muslim look with the thobe mm-hmm. and everything, right? So the, the typical, when somebody sees somebody like that visually, the, the typical uh, kind of fear that people have is this person's, this person's going to tell me off for every little thing. Why haven't you turned your trousers <laughs> up, right? Why are you doing this? And what I noticed about you, you were actually really easy. Like when I met you yeah. the first time, you were really easy going, do you want to meet here? Do you want to meet there? Okay, let's do this. Let's do that. Just normal, straightforward conversation. Like you've obviously put the effort in on your character to say, okay, well, that, you know, yeah. like you say, the other person should be safe in your presence. Oh, absolutely. We are all work in progress, and this is my choice. 
I yeah, like yeah. this because it's yeah, comfortable. Yeah. I yeah, throw yeah, it yeah. over. Yeah, yeah. And my daddy is a sunnah of yeah, the Prophet. Of course. Wasallam, but that's no, it. it's not a judgment. I know. I'm just saying. No, no, but yeah. this is what happens. And, and, and a lot of people, right, will, will do this. And they'll simply say, well, um, this is all religious stuff. And I'm like, I'm not. Yeah. You see, so with, with our healing modality, there's no praying. I, I don't push on praying mm. because praying has its place mm. and you working on yourself has its place. Mm. Right? So when you put the two together, that becomes very powerful. Mm. You see, so that's what's actually important. So Alhamdulillah, in, in that, uh, you know, it's, it's an ongoing journey and the journey is not over. Right? Because throughout life, we keep getting prompted, poked and prodded by situations and especially the environment that leads us into this position, into this place that rubs us up the wrong way. Every relationship we have with anyone will provoke something within us. Mm-hmm. And when someone provokes you or you get triggered by someone, the problem is not them. It's you. It's inside of you. Mm. It's but you can only un- take that so far, right? Like I write posts that are very much on the nose, right? On Facebook and stuff. They're very much on the nose. Yeah, yeah. They're very, all these kind of things. But like... Even myself now, I've got to the point where I'm like, you know what? This, it's that it, it's that stuff that happens on a daily basis. If somebody does something to you once, if if you if you right now, like if you did something to me right now, you did something really extreme right mm. now, I could just parcel it out of my mind, yeah, because it'd be like, right, I'm not seeing this guy ever mm. again, and I'm done. Yeah, but it's that person that's around you that you that you have to see every single day, and they're wearing you down. I, I'm like, I cannot deal with this. Yeah, I can't deal with that. But but that's exactly what it is. So a lot of the clients that we see are domestic issues generally right domestic mm. or parents or in-laws outlaws wherever yeah. yeah they are and what tends to happen there is you have you see the the issue here is that you need to understand you're not a tree mm. you are not planted in the ground mm. okay if you are not a tree then you're able to move mm. okay so the only thing that most people that i see that come and attend my workshops and classes is most of the time they are so filled up with emotions, blocked up emotions, that they are constantly just triggered. Mm. Okay, so you have no time to process, you have no time to understand where this person is coming from, that they are projecting their own inner insecurities upon you, or they are trying to force you, or they're trying to control you, whatever it is. This always is the case, is that we are trying to control circumstances. Mm. It You cannot do that until you don't release your own mm. emotional so, baggages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So the Most first Most of the time process, somebody is accusing you of something, they, yeah. it's just what's inside them, isn't it's it? It's them. Yeah. It's them. But the, but the reason you're getting um, you know triggered by it is because you have that belief within yourself that that might actually be true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the biggest thing with me yeah. like because I've I've been accused of you know like I, I would say in the last couple of years it's become so extreme yeah. I get accused of so many things yeah. and it tr- it does trigger me because I think well th- there must be, th- this person must be a good person or this person has authority or whatever and just learning to not take seriously what the, the, the other yeah. person is saying is so hard yeah well that is it and that's where you need to draw the boundaries and understand but again boundaries cannot come into place while you're still in that yeah. emotional state mm. um i was speaking to another client doing some marriage counseling and um the lady says i'm filing for divorce i said really right so she's like telling me stroke asking me right i'm going for it okay. question mark <laughs> question mark in her eyes yeah but no no i can see like it's it's got to that point where you know what i've absolutely had enough mm. right and i can't take this any longer this is absolutely taking the biscuit my children are affected my health is affected blah mm. blah 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 
And I said, don't. Not at this point. Right. Why is that? Because she leaves this marriage now. She's already an emotional wreck. Right. So she'll be an even more emotional wreck. Yeah. And then she's not considered the fact that the husband might now play games with her further. Mm. Right. Might now suddenly turn the children against her. Which she's not going to be able to cope with. And then she's going to completely be destroyed through that. Mm. And if she doesn't heal through this marriage, she's going to take this baggage into the next one. Yeah. I mean, I, I know somebody, and I'm not going to mention any names. I know somebody that was a, a lady that was very proud of her divorce. It's very proud she got divorced. She was like, nobody else had the courage to do what I did. Right. And for whatever her husband is, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say he's malicious. He's not a malicious guy. He probably didn't step up as well as he could yeah. have done as a husband, right? Yeah. But he's provided for and everything. But he hasn't stepped up in the way that she wants. Mm. And he's got his idiosyncrasies or whatever. And it's it's not great. But she was very proud of the fact that she managed to get away from this guy. Like, I've, I finally got rid of him. I've got my I've managed to secure my own future and everything. And I'm really happy. And she has been going around telling everybody I'm not depressed. Um, I've not been labeled with depression because my sister says I'm not depressed and all this kind of stuff, right? But you see her now, yeah. she's in a far worse state mm. than probably when she was married. Yeah. Um, she's in a much, much worse state because there was, there was nothing on the other side. She's become lonely. She's on her own. She and she's not, you know, she, I think she had these fantasies of, I'm going to leave this guy. Free. I'll be free. <laughs> I'll be able to do whatever I want. I'll be able to go. Yeah. I'll find some other guy who yeah. will take me. Yeah. But because of all the baggage that's inside of her, she's yeah. not able to, she, what she wants, she can't rise to it anyway. Yeah. So she's actually, you know, I, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that the husband probably didn't give her a hard time. I'm not saying yeah. that at all. No, but that's usually is the case, isn't it? That, you know, people are so emotionally different. Mm. You see, just because you come from the same caste and you're sort of from the same, you know, village back home, your 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 upbringing, your environment, and even when you look at children, um, you know, of siblings, so different, mm. right? Why? Because your temperaments are so different. Your house environment is so different. Your one house is painted, you know, in in magnolia. Another one is in white, and you know that that all has an impact. The foods that you know you come from the same mother, but your foods taste so different. Why? Mm. You know what's what is it in the hand that's actually making this different? Mm. Using the same ingredients, but it's it's the energy that that you carry around you. My my mother in law, she can come. She used to come to my house in London. Same set of ingredients, nothing new. Yeah, and she would just whip up an amazing curry, and I just I couldn't match it. Yeah. it she didn't get any any additional ingredients. Yeah, yeah. and I couldn't do it and I'd ask her how do you do it just like this just do this just do this there you go. Try, still can't do it yeah. so there, there is that connection because she has such a passion for cooking yeah. and she's so particular about it and the passion transmits into the food yeah. and, and that's, that's again you see this is where this concept of energy comes in is that people have this this thing about energy being a taboo subject but it's not it's it is what it is it's 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 a force right mm. and it's the mahabba the love that's already within a person that is manifesting itself mm. when you are angry and you see a person that's angry you can see it off them mm. that energy is coming off isn't mm. it you can see this person's angry this person is sad this person is depressed because it's giving off that energy but this is this so this is what i'm talking about that person who's really angry yeah. and really depressed they make you feel like that you're the cause of their anger and their depression that's fine but you simply have to take a step back and say that's not true yeah okay and and you have to ask yourself have i contributed to this person's anger or sadness or depression well they give you every excuses but to that's say, fine write yeah. them down write them down and reflect on each one and then where you are where you need to be held accountable hold yourself accountable for it yeah 
because this is what I'm not doing. Now, for example, this this case that I'm telling you about where this uh, lady wants a divorce, if you look at the homely environment, all the boxes are ticked. Yeah. She is clothed, she is housed, she's got a roof saying, over same, her head. So everything is there, but emotional needs are not met. Yeah, it was the same, it's the exact same okay? example. Yeah. And that in itself is, is not happening. Yeah. You know, because look, a marriage is not what it used to be with our in our parents' time. You know, people just stuck it out for the sake of doing so. Mm. We are in a total different world now, okay? Where not just emotional needs, but even physical needs are, you know. And, and again, when you look back at the Sunnah of the Prophet that's where it is. Mm. The, you know, Sahabia used to come to the Prophet Ya Rasulullah, I want to divorce. Why? I don't like him. I, I'm not attracted to him. Okay, fine. Done. Leave. Okay, so another one. Was, didn't take yeah, place in our there wasn't, yeah. and then uh, the other one, um, uh, you know, my physical needs are not being met. Mm. Okay, fine, mm. out, mm. right? That's how it should be, but we've created, and and I think it it comes, you know, our mentality, especially for the Indian subcontinent, comes a lot from this colonial mindset. Mm. Okay, where um, you know all of this issues around marriage and how it should be, and you can't break away, and this is not Islam. You know, these were Christian teachings. Okay, missionary positions. <laughs> the rest of My no, can you imagine? Yeah. That, where do you think it came from? Mm. The names actually come from that belief system. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. The, even um, uh, when, when you mention Christianity, uh, like when I, when I look at the approach to entrepreneurship that we have as Muslims, or the attitudes that we have towards money as Muslims, or the way we think about what we should be doing with our lives, right? Yeah. It's actually, it's all Christian thinking. Yeah. Because if you look at the lives of the Sahabas, they were not thinking that way, and they were neither operating that way. Yeah. It's actually a very, it's a Christian mindset, and a very industrial mindset. That's right. As well. And that mindset is actually, it's in the parent generation, and the problem with the problem with our generation, which and I see this more in London than I see this outside of London, is we have to honor the thinking of our parents. Yeah. So they're they've kind of just uh, uh, like compartmentalized themselves into that method, and it's it. But the thing is, then they're, they're unhappy with themselves. You know? Always. Yeah, they're unhappy with themselves. They're full of guilt. Yeah. And they they've not given themselves permission to go. Actually, I can break out of this. And if they do try and break out of it, they get a lot of resistance. Yeah. So that's the question that I've got for you. How? Because obviously now you've had this experience in um, these companies. You've seen. I'm really glad you're saying that all these courses are a waste of time in terms of like how expensive they are. <laughs> because I've been saying it for years, and people just fight with me, right? I've been saying that stuff that you're going to pay 10k for, and that you're going to spend an all day doing. You can do it at home in 20 minutes. Yeah. And I've seen. I've done this and seen this myself. So after all of that, um, you set yourself up. Were you worried? Were you afraid? Were you like, am I going to build? Because you've got a wife and kids as well. So how how did you kind of... Yeah, so at that time, it was a transition. Okay. But but I'd, I'd sort of really got it in my head that, yeah, you know what? I'm going to be a millionaire just like in a few okay. weeks. because Are you a millionaire now? No, not yet. <laughs> but no, inshallah, let's hope in Allah's sight we hope to be. Um, no, but far from it, right? Um, because... The UK and especially the West Midlands has the highest proportion and percentage of mental health related cases amongst the BAME community. Wow. In Europe. Wow. Right? Wow. So I thought, hey, I live in there. This is my postcode. Okay. <laughs> I'm just going to walk in, dollars coming in. And the moment you, I walked in, this is this, you're talking about 2009, okay. right? And straight away, it's like, <gasps> 
therapy. Like it was a haram topic. Yeah. You know, so again, that like after investing almost, you know, upwards of 10K um, in all my studies, travels, this, that, books and everything, to be told like, nah, yeah. sorry, not needed here. I was back in, in no man's land. Right. So what, how, how did you get around that? What did you say? So then the other thing that comes with every emotional problem is some form of physical pain. Right. People are happy to talk about and this is hurting and back's hurting and head's hurting. And so you started there. So I thought, hold on, if we can work with the physical pain, maybe that might help. So then I came across energy healing courses. I said, wonder what's that? So after extensive research and, you know, um, going through everything, Reiki, I came across, looked at it, haram, so I moved away. And I came across just basic breath work. Yeah, can we just talk about Reiki? Because you're the second person to say this now. I've heard somebody, somebody else has even said to me, Reiki is dirty energy. Yeah, yeah. Why is long. that? So Reiki, we need to understand what is the origins of Reiki. Right. So Mr. Usui Reiki, the Japanese uh, geezer who, who brought this to the world, actually did a chilla. He, he sort of went away into the cave, into a mountain. Right. And he meditated there with the intention of receiving a healing modality. Right. And he's in the cave and he's doing his fasting and his prayers and all that until a light appeared in front of him. Mm. And the light taught him the method of Reiki, it showed him the symbols and it told him what to do with those symbols. Right. But what's wrong with that? That's fine. So okay. he came back down the mountain and then he utilized this knowledge and practiced it on people. Now, the question is, what is that light? And what are the symbols? Right. That's the problem. Oh, okay. Okay. There's no clarity about it. Right. So the light he assumed is God. Right. Or angelic light. Okay. And the, and the symbols... Oh, it means like love, it means like peace, it means like uh, uh, sugar, gratitude. Um, what does it actually mean? Like if you were to write down Allah and say, what is this? This is Alif, A, La, La, Ha. Right? With, with those symbols, you can't, you can't make it out. Right. And when you look at the lives of the pious predecessors, you see, this is where the, 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 some knowledge about the history of our Mashaikh helps. Sheikh Abdul Qadir Jilani was in a valley meditating and doing his muraqabah and dhikr a light appears in front of him. Ya Abdul Qadir. He goes, who is this? He says, this is your Lord. Okay. We are pleased with you. So as a result of it, you don't have to pray anymore. Your salah. You don't have to pray salah anymore. He goes, who is Abdul Qadir when salah was not forgiven on the Prophet And at that point, the light disappeared and shaitan is floating in the air. Okay. And with that, as the light disappeared, he falls to the earth. Boof. He goes, oh, Abdul Qadir. Your knowledge has saved you. He goes, it's not, it's not my knowledge. It is the fadl of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that saved me. By which time he's taking sand and putting on his head. And he says, you do not know, but 70 people like you, I have misled just in this valley alone. By coming up as a light. For me, that story and Mr. Usui Reiki's light vision That's in the scary. cave... Okay, so that's I, one part I, of it. I've had Reiki done on me inadvertently. Okay. I've not asked for it. The that's guy's okay. just done it on me. That's and okay. I, yeah. You see, receiving is fine, right? Yeah. But, uh, but I wouldn't but, go but, near it But again. when you enter into it, right, that's the problem. So the other thing that happens now is when you want to become a Reiki healer, you go to a Reiki master, right? right? So now there's already martabas there, right? There's, there's uh, yeah. levels. They have to superimpose symbols upon you. Upon your chakras. Right. What are the chakras? Now you see, this is where our Muslims are really getting done over because they're not understanding what is the concept of the chakra. Right. The chakras are buttons that hold the ruh in your body. Right. 
Okay. But the chakra means chakra, doesn't it? Mean it chakra means it goes round, it spins. Yeah, yeah. Any energy field. Any two flows, okay, whether it's electricity, water, whatever, when they meet at a meeting point, they go round. Yeah. It, they create yeah. a whirlpool. Yeah. Okay. That's what's happening with here. So your body has got the meridians. Mm. The meridians meet up in the middle yeah. and then they swell. Yeah. Right? And that's generating the energy from it. Yeah. So the chakras and the energy that comes out from the meridians and in in arabic they're called latifas lataif yeah. yeah yeah okay they they create this protective barrier our aura around our 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 ruh mm. so nothing can penetrate it okay when you utilize these symbols you're opening them up right okay so any negative energy that might be around will flow into you yeah that's what i was told that it's dirty energy it can affect you in that yeah. kind of way and i've yeah. seen i've seen masters reiki masters you know i've met uh, quite a few who established you know a muslim reiki master okay but now they don't believe in allah they don't really believe in the deen you know why because it's uh, it's it wears it away but you don't feel the same way about qigong do you no qigong you see anything that has um parallels Okay, like you have to bow down and you have to do this or you have to do it in a particular way. That's where it becomes problematic. So f- for me, Reiki is an issue. Yoga is definitely an issue. Yeah, yoga, I have no problems okay, with so that. So. Because it's, it's, your chakra system is manipulated according to stellar systems or you're taking the forms of other animals. I, I did yoga like three times and my back broke. Honestly, and it was really and bad it's, it's as well. a shame, you know. I, I see online, you know, over the last three years, there's been this increase in um, Muslim yoga and yoga by Muslim. Everything always has the Muslim. Uh, no, but, but why? You know, yeah. did did we not have salah? Did we not have basic stretching? You know, if you really love yoga, go into Pilates. Okay, Pilates will give you the same benefit, but at least he won't take your iman away, hmm. right? But everyone is on this bandwagon. And Subhanallah, just yesterday, I think yesterday, we were talking with my uh, practitioners meeting, um, Islamic Reiki. Hello? Mm. Yeah, no, no, but we use the name Allah instead of the symbols. What is your, where, where does it take you back to? What's the source of the river? Mm. You know, why would you need to it's go? The same with banking. It's like Islamic banking. There's, there's no concept as Islamic banking. Like, do you understand what, what banking came from and what it came to do? Why are you, why are you calling it Islamic banking? It's an oxymoron. Yeah. It doesn't make no it's sense. Open up Beit al again and just roll it. Yeah. <laughs> it so, is odd. So okay. that's that's so that so that was the challenge. So I learned the concept of energy work, and so the the basic thing about energy is whenever energy is applied to a point of pain, it allows that energy to flow out of it again. Right. Okay. So when when energy is accumulates and it gets uh, stagnated in a place, you get this headache and you get this stiffness and mm. you know. So energy basically helps it to flow. Mm. Um. So that's what I noticed when I came back to the community, put my hands on someone's knees. Hey, pain's gone. Ah, okay. Oh, by the way, I've also got this pain, mm. right? So that's what I started noticing. And subhanAllah, one of my most profound experiences was I was in South Africa. We went to visit an elderly man whose wife had just passed away. And um, I was introduced like, you know, the brothers come from the UK and he does some healing and stuff. And the old man whose uh, wife had passed away, he was sitting across from me. Mm. And he goes, hey, I go, gee. He goes, my knee hurts, right? <laughs> so he's like just playing me around. <laughs> I said, Uncle, just put your hands, cup your knee, you know, hands over your knees, and I'll come back to you. But so the beautiful thing is, energy follows thought. Wherever you put your mind to, energy will transfer there. And I made the intention, and then I got distracted with a conversation on this side of the room. As I was doing that, the next thing I know is, and he, and he told me before, if it doesn't work, I'm gonna beat you up. I said, okay. 
<laughs> man's angry anyway. But little while later, he comes and he taps me on my shoulder. I go, huh? And I thought, oh, shit, it's probably not worked, right? He goes, come with me. I said, okay. So I followed him and he took me through his house and he took me into this dining room area, right? Like away from where everyone was. And he goes, pain is gone. I go, alhamdulillah. He goes, but I've got pain here. And he started crying, uh-huh. right? I said, okay, come. I said, look, can we go and sit somewhere? So he took me to his room and we sat down and then we went through the emotional process, mm. right? So he was trying me first to say, can you fix this? That's what's on the outside mm. before I open my vulnerability to you to mm. see what's deeper. And this is what this is how we all are. Everyone goes to the doctor mm. and they say, this hurts, that hurts. Okay, I can't bend. Whatever. And they give you something for the pain and you think that makes it better. Our philosophy here with Afia Healing is that your the pain is only a messenger, right? There is an emotion, there's a belief system, there's a program that's stuck in your subconscious, in your nafs, that you're not letting go of, that is causing you to now experience this um, disturbance. And it's not just pain, right? You can have other ailments that are Everything. causing... Everything. Yeah. Well, every inflammatory condition is emotional. Every autoimmune condition is because of suppressed anger. Right, so literally anything that you pick out of the book, any medical issue, any medical condition, you will always find a um, emotional component or a root cause to it, and that root cause always starts off in our childhood. It's something that we develop as a survival mechanism from childhood. Two basic needs of a child: love and security. If we feel that we are not loved, child begins to adapt behavior. You, if you do not listen to me, I will not love you. <gasps> okay, I have to suppress. You see now, children are not taught to express healthy anger. Mm. I think we touched on this last time as well, right? When I was when I spoke to you on the phone briefly about your children, terrible twos. Yeah, we have this conversation about terrible twos because I was saying my son's yeah. terror and you were saying just let him. Let, let him be him, let because him be. he's expressing that emotion. You know, this is really interesting you're saying this because I, I spoke to my aunt yesterday, right? And she just met me a couple of weeks ago for Eid. And then uh, my, my father-in-law, I take, my, I take my son over to my father-in-law's every now and again. And both of those have the same idea. Because my son, you do the slightest thing wrong, right? You give him a fork upside down, you touch his toys, he just lays on the floor, starts banging his uh, hands and just has a massive mm. tantrum. But if you understand what's bothering him yeah. and help deal with that, yeah. he, he goes right as rain within two yeah, seconds. Yeah. But uh, my aunt and like uh, my aunt and my father, that, that entire generation is, you're not disciplining Discipline. him. You've got to give him more discipline. You've got to be disciplined with him. Yeah. He's getting naughty. He's getting all this. And I've been, I've been making the mistake of following that mm. and disciplining him. And all I've noticed is if I'm in a room now, his grandma's in the room and his mother's in the room, he will choose them and he yeah. will not choose yeah. me. Yeah. I cannot get his attention. And yeah. then if I'm sat with him, so this was happening for about a year, right? And mm. I was getting so confused. And I would sit with him and he doesn't want to sit. You know, he'd be in a room with me, TV's on, his favorite cartoons on or whatever. And he would find an excuse to leave the room and go somewhere else. He's only, you know, he was barely two. And now that I flipped that and I'm trying to understand what's making him angry. Now it's dada, you know, hugs and all this. And I feel so bad because I feel like there's six months of me just being authoritarian with him. It was that's a complete okay. waste of time. No, but that's fine. But that's and I'm really worried now that this is going to come out when he's a teenager. No, you don't know. worry. You got off your healing behind you anyway. So. Inshallah. 
<laughs> but but that's what that's what's important, right? Is understanding, um, or at least learning to understand that you know what the child is trying to express something. Yeah, and this is why for yeah, and and especially now for young kids, they do need an outlet. Right? Yeah, get them get them a, a punching bag or get them something. It's just stress. Them. He's just stressed. All it is he's he's attached to his toy. He's yeah. lost his toy. He thinks the world's gonna end. Yeah, you just gotta you know. And I'm now noticing that actually I'm I'm behaving. My wife's a very calm person. Yeah. I'm noticing I'm actually behaving calmer than my wife with him in terms of, you know, if his toy's not there, she's like, oh, for goodness sake. And I'm just like, okay, let's go and get it. Yeah. You know, because she's worn down. Yeah. And it's just, you know, it's just stress. Most people's anger is actually stress. Yeah. And that's, so, you know, energy cannot be created or destroyed. It only changes form. Mm. So that's what happens. You have anger and then it becomes fear and then it becomes sadness and then it becomes something else and else and else and else. And that's what happens is when you suppress something, that's where you get depression from. Mm. Okay, people become depressed mm. because you've been pushing down on your emotions. And like that uh, lady that you're saying who was really f- you know, happy that she was free, you can only put up on a facade for so long, mm. right? And then eventually those emotions now yeah. have nowhere to it's, go. It's taken over. Yeah, yeah. and now, now it starts to weigh you down. It sinks yeah. you. Yeah, it's, it's and, exactly and that's why doing. expressing and, and knowing how to go through that healing process is so important. Mm. Because I think that's where we're suffering as an ummah altogether yeah. is we've got so much energy mm. but it's not positive yeah it's yeah. anger it's, it's hatred charged. it's jealousy it's, yeah, it's you know it's just like yeah. constantly yeah, yeah. and okay it's this and just the, everything that's going on around the world is just doing that to us even more yeah as well, and, know, and 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 we we are not ready to take charge i tell you what um uh i, I read this book uh i think you and i have spoken about the book which was the emotion code i think by bradley mm. nelson i read this book and you know he, he has this technique where you can get rid of uh your trapped emotions yeah yeah right? yeah yeah, yeah. And um, there was this lady very kindly, she offered, because I couldn't figure out how to do yeah. it. I was going back about three or four years and she'd offered to help. Um, uh, she goes, okay, I can talk you through it. She just, I just spoke to her on Zoom or something. Yeah. I'll talk you through it. That's help get rid of your trapped emotions. So she just started writing some stuff down. And um, she was like, oh, you've got some anger coming up. Like, All right. So do you think it's this? No. Do you think it's this? No. And... Um, she brought up 9-11. Yeah. And I'm like, and I I suddenly felt it. And I'm like, yeah, yeah I'm angry about 9-11. I didn't even realize I was, I didn't even realize how angry I was, how upset I was about it. Like, why are you, this thing that's happened and I used it as an excuse, you know? And I had pushed it right down. Yeah, I didn't realize because you, you were taught to do that. Let's carry we, on. Yeah, we were taught you don't have a voice in this, mm. push it right down. And so I, and it came back up and it really yeah. just made me go, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. And then and that's the thing. So like body, body talk does that, uh, emotion code does that. There's, there's quite a few modalities that are similar, but are able to pinpoint for yeah. you exactly where it is. Yeah. Yeah. So I've I've had that done as well, mashallah. And it's, it's amazing. And I, uh, I didn't even know I was angry about it. I didn't even <laughs> know I was angry about it. You know, and you, when you realize that, it, I think like, the thing that I'm seeing a lot now, and, and we all have some of this, but like anybody, you know, people that are 40, 50, 60, there's, there's, a, there's an inner child there that's not learned to manage its anger properly, that's not got on what it's what, that's yeah. not been able to understand the meaning of the events of what's going on, and they're just acting it out. Yeah. And, and I think for most of us and for most of our parents here, um, you know, in the West or anywhere um, that have had to migrate, okay, uh, all have that issue of not being safe. Yeah. Okay. Of of adjusting into a new environment, assimilating, mm. um, being torn away from family, from the unit, from the structure, mm. and all of that emotion ultimately. It what does wears, it, it wears you down? Yeah. And then and then you can imagine that highly stressed out, fearful mother that is carrying a child, 
all her hormones, all that yeah. adrenaline and all that cortisol flushing into the baby all day long. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, and this is, so, so I, I was having this conversation with my uh, friend. I was saying to him, because he, he's from uh, Kenya, right? But he was born here, but his ancestry is Kenya and he's never been to Pakistan. Yeah. And I was saying to him, I said, you know, despite everything that, you know, in Pakistan, obviously there's a huge amount of turmoil right now. You know, the establishment's falling yeah. apart and there's corruption and all these kind of things. I said, you know, I said, that I haven't been for 20 years. I don't know what it's like right now. But I said that despite everything that was always going on in Pakistan, I said, when I get to Pakistan, I said, you notice on me, there's just, there's, there's an, like, an, like an octave. Mm. There's just a certain calm that comes over me. Yeah. I just become a lot calmer. Yeah. And I said, it's just because I, and even though I'm in this country, I never feel like this is my country. Because we've always been made to feel that way. You've always yeah. had, you know, some sort of judgment, some sort of something. And I said, I just calm right down. Yeah. Something changes. And I said, I've never been able to achieve that yeah. in this country. But that, but that's what it is, isn't it? You see, what, what we don't understand is, for me, look, I was born in Malawi, but I'm here. And I, I completely take this as my country. I live here. This is my home. Yeah. Right? Don't you want to go back home? No. Why, why do I want to? I live here. I'm, I'm married here. My children are here. Okay. Yeah. I've, and, uh, okay, your ancestry back in India. I've never been there. Right? So I'm, I'm, not, I'm not fussed about where I am. Why? Because Allah puts you where he needs you to be. Mm. Right? Mm. Now, from it, what we need to understand is why does this keep happening? Everyone speaks about it. The moment you land and the moment the doors are open, you just feel that vibe. That's exactly what it is. There's a vibe. Mm. Okay, you have to look at the history of, of where we are, of what's happened, of, you know, and even the other day, we, um, we went down to London and just did a walk around, you know, the center. And you pass by certain monuments and yeah. you just feel the yeah. energy. There's a stone here where you can feel the energy. There's a massive stone here. Yeah. And it's not very positive usually, right? Oh, okay. Because, yeah, you can yeah. literally feel yeah, it yeah, 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 because yeah. of all the atrocities that have taken place, you yeah. know, and the zulm that has taken yeah, place. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and, the, and the headquarters from which, you know, the world has suffered. I, so, I, I went and stayed with a friend in uh, Canary Wharf about 10 years back and it felt like death. Yeah. I went to the supermarket yeah, yeah, yeah. and it felt like death because the riba, yeah. all the riba that's taking system place and everything, the system yeah. is just robbing people and it's just taking their souls away and you could feel it. And I, I, I just couldn't cope there. Yeah. And and for me, the similar thing happened at Alhambra Palace. Right. I walked through and I absolutely just did not like the vibe. Really? Why? Muslim Spain. But yeah, but what, what did it achieve? As in, you know, in, in the way, like if you, if you were to ask the walls, what did you witness? Mm. Okay. The butchering, the slaughtering, this, that and the other. I tell you, the, I tell you where I've been. Um, so I went to the north of Spain mm. about three years ago. It's probably no, about five years ago now. It's a place called Bilbao yeah, yeah. in northern Spain. And, you know, honestly, it's not much to look at at all. There's not a lot going on in there at all, right? And all the when you go to the restaurants and you want to eat something, every dish has got pork and ham in it, right? So it's so difficult <laughs> to find some. Even if you ask for an omelette, yeah. it will come with. It's uh, included. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's just so natural to them. Yeah. And I think that's part of Because that was kind of the technique that they used to drive the Muslims out and everything. Mm. But honestly... Uh, and there's stuff going on there as well. Yeah. I don't know what it is about that place. I remember I went there and uh, when we landed, I felt a little something and I thought, oh, this is just because I'm, I'm on holiday. And when we, we got off the bus and we had to walk into town and I just started feeling a lot calmer and I, couldn't, I, I just couldn't understand it. Mm. And we were there about three days and went into this cafe, the most amazing cafe experience I've ever had. I went into the cafe, my wife got a coffee. I said, can I just have some lemon and water, please? Mm. And she gave me the lemon water, I had a bit of lemon water and that was it. That's all that happened. And I still remember it was such a calm experience. Yeah. I don't know what it was about that vibe. I don't know what was going on in that area. Yeah. 
and it was just an amazing vibe there. And I don't know what it was. Yeah, I, really but I mean, this is it, and and this is why we find within within these places the vibe will will sort of dictate the way mm. our lives go. Mm. And that's does that affect your health as well? Then, of course, it does all day long. Yeah, all day long, and and it suppresses us. It it you know, there's a lot of times when I just don't want to leave the house. I literally do not leave the house. Right. You look at my phone and you look at how many steps he's done. Ah, yeah, literally, I just don't want to leave. And then there are times when, okay, like, mashallah, today is a beautiful day. And you want to do things. You want to be able to get out. You want to be able to, you know, get out and do stuff. So your environment plays a massive role in, in the way that we actually live and we, um, you know, rule our lives and everything that happens from it. I, yeah, I went to, I visited China in 2010. So What I'm was sure. the vibe? Vibe was just everyone's too busy and doing their thing. And okay. uh, I have a friend he's been and he said he didn't like the vibe at yeah. all. He said it was really dark. It's, 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 it's very dry. Okay. You know, it's just like it's just what you see on the surface. It's very yeah. okay. But uh, other than that, mashallah, it was it was okay. I mean, for the time that I spent, I think it was about ten days. How did you feel about the vibe in Istanbul? Beautiful. I'd, I'd love. Yeah, I I, it didn't do anything for me. To, just, uh, it didn't. No, honestly, it I don't know why. I've been uh, the first time I went to Istanbul. It did. I did a lot for yeah. me. Yeah. It had a lovely vibe to it. Okay. This the second time I went, it was half and half. Yeah. There was a part of... No, it was still a decent vibe even the second time. Mm. This time, I don't know. Maybe it was just yeah. what's going on inside me. Yeah, I, I think our inner issues usually project outwards as well. Um, but I do feel like every time you visit a place for the first time, there's this... <gasps> and then the second time, it's less. The third time. Yeah, but you know, for, for me, London was the opposite. Yeah. So every time I'd been to London growing up, I, it just didn't attract me. Yeah. And then I, ended, I got forced into moving there. Yeah. My wife dragged me down uh. and I, I fell in love with it. In, in, you know, obviously, I know yeah. obviously it's the heart of capitalism mm. in a lot of ways. No, it's fine. But um, <laughs> It's just nice. Yeah. But, you know, I used to walk... I remember even before um, 2020, I used yeah. to walk around yeah. London and just see in Mayfair, you just see shops closed. Yeah. Like, something's not right. Yeah. You know? Yeah, same. In, you're right in the middle of Mayfair, right on Oxford Street, and yeah. there's shops that are closed. And I was like, something's yeah. wrong. Yeah. Well, people can't afford it. And you see this everywhere, even in Birmingham. Yeah. Walking through town, it's like close, 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 yeah. close, close. And you're like, okay, mashallah. Mm. But that's the way the world's going. We're moving online. You know, people don't want to travel. People don't yeah. want to get out. And, you know, it's this, it's this whole programming that's taking place of just isolating people. Yeah. You know, and this whole concept of, of pulling people away mm. from their fitra. Mm. You know, mm. and, and, and that's, that's we're all feeling it. We're feeling it. And that's that's where a lot of our aches and pains and illnesses are coming from grief. Mm. Um, you know, people are contracting these, you know, uh, breathing disorders, mm. lung problems, mm. heart problems. Mm. It, emotionally, it's all connected to lack of connection with people yeah and it's just increasing because of what's going on in the world yeah and it's, yeah. it's only going to get worse and this is why we need to wisen up yeah. um about you know the dunya and about ourselves because yeah. in order to sort of carrying on succeeding and getting through <coughs> dunya we need to be able to still maintain our own integrity as well yeah and yeah. that's alhamdulillah what our deen gives us and he gives us that support and scaffolding we just have to embrace it and uh, know how to deal with it If you have any questions about the content or the subject matter, the things that I've discussed in this video, then please sign up to my Discord. The link is in the description below. It's a small app that you can use, very similar to how chat groups used to work before. You can be anywhere in the world and sign up for it. All you have to do is, is sign up via Patreon, which will then give you access to the Discord app. It is a like-minded community of other people that are talking about the same things. 
where we can just speak openly to each other. You might have some questions of your own or you might have some insight of your own. Come and talk to me, come and talk to others. We can share ideas with each other and we, and we can grow as a community.